When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hint after another and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but Maybe just couldn't win a bid. I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home, but here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that, homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when, in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you've played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term. Because here's what's not long-term these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction and that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to hurry to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. 
Wu Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World Championship Wings! Woo! Woo wings! Yeah! Woo-woo! Welcome to Something to Wrestle With. Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. <laughs> what a rip. No, yeah, but me. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Ah, Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. We'll see. We should have been, you know what? We should have been recording for the last hour and a half that we've been talking and bullshitting. And now you want to go, hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with. I mean, I tried. Richard. I pitched it, and you said, no. Let me talk about the. That was an answer to a previous question, was no. We'd be halfway fucking done by now. And now you want to talk about Hulk Hogan and 4,082 or whatever the hell it was that year of which we are talking. You put me in this mood just for the record. How did I put for the record? You put me in this mood already. And now you decide to hit the little, uh, red button with the R in the middle of it. How did I do this? You know, well, I know we're talking about my phone. That was, yeah, yeah, if, that's what I thought. If you would have let me record that, it would have hit. People would have yeah, loved that. There's nothing funny about that, man. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay. I waited and waited because my phone wasn't working right. And I waited to get that iPhone 14 pro, whatever the hell greatest phone in the, in the whole wide world. And I got it and my pro <laughs> and this one does it too. And it's got new shit on there, man, that they don't tell you about. Okay? And it just comes up. And then if you shake it the wrong, you like that. Seriously, watch this. If you shake it like this, yeah. Oh, there's all my shit just like wobbling, got X's on it and all that stuff. Well, why? Why can't they just leave things alone? And so then you, you say, well, well, maybe it isn't the phone. 
I said, you know what, man? You're right. What is the one common denominator that is <laughs> both phones? And we figured it out. It's well, the carrier. It's AT&T, damn it. Yeah. Okay. But you, Hallie, <laughs> you were looking right at me and you were saying, trying to encringe upon the information that it was me. I was encringing on the information. Yeah. You know what you did. Did you pull a muscle doing that? Can you pull a muscle doing that? I, I got two bad shoulders. And you're laughing at me, man. And that's not cool to laugh at somebody with bad shoulders. Oh, it's not boy. cool, man. I'm just telling you, it's not cool for the record. Doot, doot, doot. Boy, you're going to get punched right in your wiener when you go back to work. You know what? I ain't going back to work. How have you enjoyed uh, a week off of the WWE rat race this week? Uh, Man, I have absolutely zero, zero clue what the hell is going on in in the world, much less the wrestling world or any other world I have been about as disconnect, disconnected as one could get. Didn't even turn the TV on in our uh, hotel room, but we did watch. We did watch Netflix. We watched The Crown. A little bit caught up on that. But I... Uh, it was wonderful. What, uh, what'd you think of the crown? I haven't started that yet, but I've heard good things. It's excellent. I, uh, it's excellent, but, but <laughs> I can really get in trouble here. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to do it. Well, let's talk about something that we won't get in trouble for Hulk Hogan. And oh God, we're getting a lot of trouble for this. Hogan must not pose, but return. Of course, we all remember Hulkamania was running wild through the eighties and then by uh, King of the ring 93. Well, it was over. He went down South and learned a new hold, uh, with uh, WCW uh, wrestling and set the business on fire again with the NWO. And now here in 02, after WCW has, uh, well, sunset a little bit. Now we're going to get Hulk Hogan back in the saddle with the WWE. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of that return. Of course, we talked a lot about the return on our no way out. Oh, two episode and our WrestleMania 18 episodes, which you can check out in the archives. But I am curious, you know, there's been lots of talk over the years that well, Hogan would always put himself in a good position. He knew how to make sure that he was at the top of the cards and, and had a good contract and, and a good financial position. And there's been discussions that maybe there were flirtations for him to come back to the WWF while WCW was still rolling. Uh, and I think you and I have even discussed, maybe there was an opportunity for that to happen at the end of 1997 and, and maybe 98 would have rolled along. With Hulk Hogan on USA. What do you remember about the hokey pokey dance while Hogan was in WCW, but maybe talking to Vince and just keeping communication open about a possible return? Yeah, you know, it was during a time that uh, Hulk was on top of WCW. The NWO was brand new and Brett was our champion. It looked like uh, Hogan's contract was coming up. Putting out feelers, brother. What you gonna do, brother? Uh, we talked to him. You know, we talked to him. We made an offer. Uh, Hulk came back with a counter that was, in our opinion, unreasonable at the time and something that we didn't feel that uh, we were willing to do. Brett was younger, and it was new. 
So we obviously opted to, to stick with Brett for a while. But, you know, we did. We did. Vince went out and met with him, I believe, in Denver. Vince flew out to meet with Hulk. They had dinner, talked about everything, and uh, made an offer. Came back with a counteroffer. We said, thank you very much. No. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Do you think it's often been insinuated? Do you think that sometimes Hulk would take those meetings just so that report would get back to Atlanta and maybe increase his leverage? 100%. Okay. 100%. And actually, um, going into the meeting, you know, Vince actually even said that he goes, you know what? Because I'm going to go out there. Maybe it'll get him more money on the other side and save us some money. Wow. Okay. So he would, he went into it knowing this is probably what it is. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the timing of all this, because you, you made the comparison of, Hey, instead we went with Brett. Now we know that you gave him a contract or Vince gave him a contract in in the fall of 96. And it's supposed to be essentially almost like a lifetime deal, but we know that 11 months later, September of 97, uh, right before the Madison square garden raw, the very first one where we would see cactus shack for the first time on WWE programming. That's where the meeting happens and Hogan or not Hogan, Vince and Brett me and Vince says, Hey man, I can't honor this whole contract. Was there any consideration at that point that, Hey, if I can free up some, some, to use a sports term cap space, perhaps I can use that newfound money to, to, to land Hogan. Or was that not in the cards at all? Not really in the cards. It was, you know, Vince looking at it from a perspective of what we had had before and a a similar deal that we had had with Hogan prior to and trying to make that work within the confines of our contracts that we had now with the downside guarantees and things of that nature. So it was trying, you know, it was trying to make it work within the confines of everything we had. Listen, I don't think you, there's any way you probably remember off the top of your head, the terms of that contract, and I'm not asking for it, but I am trying to understand what you just said there. Are you saying that perhaps this was, you were offering a more old school contract where you're paid as part of the house, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to the guaranteed money that he was getting in WCW? Well, it was definitely different than the just flat guaranteed money he was getting in WCW. Okay. It was a downside guarantee. This is the least amount of money that you would make. And if we exceed that, then you'll get paid on top of, you know, I, I want to ask, I guess, a, a philosophical question. Now I know Kevin Nash takes a lot of pride in saying, Hey, I helped get the guys guaranteed money and that was better for the boys, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure a lot of talent would agree with that, but I'm curious from your perspective as a quote unquote office guy, do you think that the business has maybe lost its way a little bit because guys are on guaranteed contracts, as opposed to essentially being a revenue partner, meaning if we do better, you know, your merch is selling more, you're, you're, we're selling more tickets, ratings are up, then you'll make more money versus now guys are kind of getting the paid the same, no matter what, right? Is that, is that a net positive in your perspective? 
I think that the the feeling of always having a, a part and being a part of a team, yes, is important. Uh, when you can rally the troops, and, and I look at this when we first started our downside guarantees, and, and all the guys looked at it and said, "Okay, I can make this. You know, this, I'm guaranteed. I know I know what I'm going to make for the year, so I can budget." But if I bust my ass and we really fucking hit and my merchandise takes off and all this other stuff happens, then there's no limit. There's no cap on what I can make. It incentivizes people to work harder and do more. Yes. On the other side of that, if you're paid a flat salary, which is what it was at WCW, then, well, whether they use me or not, I'm getting paid. Right. The difference was you wanted to be used. The difference was you worked harder to get over to make more, no matter where you were on the card. And that just created a team atmosphere, and that created it created competitiveness, which I also believe is very healthy um, as well for guys to, to be competitive about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So let's... Uh... Let's talk briefly about the Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon relationship. It's been described to me over the years that it was sort of love, hate. It was, uh, almost like, a, I don't know, a strained marriage at sometimes, you know, where there was this love for each other, but it sometimes turned sour. It was on again, off again. How would you categorize the relationship or is that a fair assessment? Well, it definitely was a love hate relationship. It was, it was a father son. It was a brother relationship. Um, and I do think that they were as close as family. So that probably added to the tension between Hulk and Vince, but Vince was always the boss and Hulk was always, you know, the, the favorite son. So, so it was, you know, people will argue, well, would Vince have been as successful without Hulk? Would Hulk have been as successful without Vince? In O2, Hogan's 48 years old. Um, he has at this point for like six years, maybe more referred to him as the huckster done those parodies. He even once referred to his cage match with Roddy Piper as age in the cage, or he had Jr. do that on TV. I'm sure Hulk thought all of that was in the spirit of good business, but do you think there was any hurt feelings? Did they have to clear the air at any point or they just kind of understand let's let bygones be bygones. Well, I know from Vince's point of view, it's always been let bygones be bygones and, and move forward, not backward. Yeah. And I, and I truly believe that, you know, Hulk probably put himself in that position and said, if he were on the other side, he would have done the exact same thing. Now we've talked a little bit about how not everybody was on board with the NWO returning in 2002 in Milwaukee. And I don't mean fans. I mean, the guys behind the scenes, but a lot of times I feel like that's pointed more at Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as being politickers. Did did Hulk Hogan come back with that same, uh, what was there the same hesitation amongst the talent for Hogan returning here in 2002? I don't think that there was, uh, for some people for slope. Yeah. I mean, for some people that had been around 
weren't necessarily woohoo, Hulk's coming back. Um, but there were a lot more of they had just dealt with the, the, the wounds were still fresh with Nash and Hall or fresher yes. than they were with Hulk. And the difference was, was Hulk had been a main major stay for so many years and was a proven commodity. Hall and Nash were viewed in a much less favorable light than Hulk was. My brain was about to fucking explode because you just said Hall and Nash, but before that you said Nash and Hall. And that just feels weird. Like saying dad and mom or pepper and salt or chairs and table. I mean, I, 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 my brain was melting when you said Nash and Hall. Is that something you normally say? Or do you not view it the way I do that? It's Hall and Nash. It's mom and dad, it's salt and pepper. It's table and chairs. You don't eat pepper and salt. Not, uh, you can't say those in that you order. You have vinegar and oil though. What, what's wrong with you? Why do you, why do you do this? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. You seriously don't put like vinegar and oil on your, uh, salad. It's not about what you put on things. It's the order in which you say them. You put, uh, you put your pepper on then you put your salt on like down here, pepper and salt. I don't think anybody in, in my zip code has ever okay, had gravy and biscuits. What the fuck are you doing? I'm going to have a meltdown here on the program. We don't say around these parts, Stephanie and Bruce, not one person in this house has ever said Stephanie and Bruce. It's Bruce and Stephanie. Well, yeah, I mean, duh. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, there's a certain order of things right here's Megan and Conrad. I hope that's accurate. I would like that. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying like, I, I I've never in my life known someone to say Nash and hall it's hall and Nash. National Hall. Uh, no, stop it. So listen, uh, how ho- do you say it? I mean, it's Hall weird. and Nash, you motherfucker. Everybody knows that's it. Weird. Do you, do you use pepper and salt, or you use yes, salt and pepper? I do. You use salt and, and pepper. I use vinegar and oil. Well, do you? When you and the wife bought your new house a few years ago, did y'all have to go get any chairs and table? You I, asshole. I get butter and bread. <laughs> now you're just poking me. I see now. I see how it is. Do you not get your chairs and tables from the same place? I guess you probably go get eggs and steak. Doesn't everybody? No, we get I steak and eggs. And steak. Now, and actually, and actually. You get salsa and chips. Okay. Yes. Asshole. It's not the way it goes. It is the way it goes. No, it's chips and salsa. No. So I was going to give, I was going to give you a peek, a peek into current day, but now I'm not going to do it. I bet, I bet when we finish, you're going to go have salad and soup. Yeah. No, you're going to have soup and salad. I'm going to punch you. Uh, so Hogan comes back at no way out. No two in Milwaukee. He's of course got Hall and Nash with him. There's some pretty memorable moments. Of course they debut on the pay-per-view, uh, the rock maybe makes fun of them backstage. They get their revenge the, the next night when Hogan rocks. <laughs> what a sentence. Hogan whacks rock in the back of the head with a fucking hammer. And they're going to take rock away in an ambulance. But of course the NWO, they're not having that. So they're going to take over the ambulance, wrap chains around it. And then Hogan's going to drive a goddamn 18 wheeler into the side of it. What in the world? This is a much different world wrestling federation than, uh, than Hulk Hogan left. I mean, I guess when he left, it's probably still Vince, Bruce and Pat, 
And now, boy, things are done a little differently here in WWF, are they not? It's usually Bruce Pat and Vince. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We always put Vince. Lot, for the longest time in, in the in the office, people thought that uh Pat's last name was Bruce. Pat and Bruce? Yeah. That, See, that was I, our names. No, I, I, I guess I do that one wrong because I knew you first. I called, I've always said Bruce and Pat. Of course. Yeah. So your last name was Ann Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before all this, of course, rock and Hogan have this amazing in ring confrontation to uh, set up the match. Hogan's going to call the rock, the flavor of the month, say he's not in his league and then ultimately accept the rocks challenge. Talk me through this. We've talked a lot about the hypotheticals and the what ifs, and because we're going to have some problems with Steve Austin this year too, and he's not happy with his creative. Ultimately, it winds up on Rock and Hogan. We've talked about that a lot, but was Hogan excited to work with Rock? Did he have a preference? Do you recall of of Rock or Austin? I think it was kind of either or, and I know that we wanted to get to both, but as you you know you got into it, it just. That's the way that the cards were dealt. And, you know, the initial debut, if you will, of NWO at No Way Out, people thought, oh, my God, you know, Rock just went in and, and decimated these guys their first night in and insulted them. And they had no comeback. Well, they got to come back on TV. They got to come back where there were more people watching on Monday Night Raw the next night. Versus doing it on the pay-per-view, uh, no way out. So uh, it was it was different for them, a completely different philosophy than just you know, hey, go pedal to the metal. But then we went pedal to the metal when the damn you know thing went crashing into the ambulance next night. Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> all that. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. speaking of boom, when you ride a town. On, on, we'll call it vacation. Did you, uh, did you go boom? Boom. You know, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff around here. Bruce, this episode is sponsored by blue chew and guys, we all know confidence can take you far in life. And that's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. And that's where blue chew comes in. Bruce, did you give your wiener a hot tag while you were on vacation with blue chew? I'm not going to talk about what my wiener did. However, blue chew yes. can do everybody's wiener a damn bit of good. Yeah, it can. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now the process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Have better sex y'all. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Wrestle at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Wrestle to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. So let's jump back into it. The Rock is uh, going to make this miraculous recovery and he's going to return to TV uh, on SmackDown on March 7th. 
But before we get there, we give Hulk Hogan a chance to work in his hometown of Tampa. He's going to be wrestling Rikishi in the main event of a house show here on March 1st. Is this more about letting Hogan get more familiar with the WWE ring, work off some ring rust, or is it simply, Hey, he didn't have to travel. He's there anyway. Let's see if we can't, uh, make some money at the gate or a combination of all that. Absolutely. A combination of all of that, because, you know, it was a local easy shot for Hulk to make, but we wanted to get him in the ring. It had been a while since old Hulkster had been in the ring and Rikishi is going to make sure that he's taking very well, good care of the Hulkster brother and, uh, just get his, get his ring legs under him, if you will. Well, he does. Uh, again, that's in Tampa as well. Um, there's the go home episode of raw on March 11th, where we've got all of the NWO here, uh, Hogan Nash and hall, as you would say in the yeah. ring, and they're going to defeat rock and Austin in a handicap main event match in hindsight. Do you think we should have been saving Hogan's first televised match to be for WrestleMania itself, or does it make sense to do it on the go home show? You think it hurt it? Well, I mean, it was awesome. I'm just wondering, you know, these days it does feel like, Hey, if you want to see it, you'll have to pay to see it sort of deal. I could see that argument, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I think then that argument probably held more water than it does now, but yeah. it, at the same time, it was, uh, as we call the biz dusty tag. Kind of throw everybody in there together. They all got issues, baby. So rather than give them that one-on-one and give them a little bit of bullshit and gobbledygook in the thing with the funnel and the snake, then they have the outcome you ain't going to ever have ever again if it was one-on-one because that's the question you got to ask yourself. Is when you're sitting there and you're, you're looking at it, you're going, but could he have done that? Could he have done that one-on-one? Or did he need did his partners in crime, Nash and Hall, <laughs> there to... To bring it all in there in the WNO. That the rest a, of the new order. That was actually pretty good, Dusty. Uh, Rock and Hogan are going to be in Toronto for WrestleMania. Of course, we all know that that is a, an incredible performance. Uh, so many wrestlers today point to that and say, you know, that's their favorite match. And totally different match with the sound off. But my goodness, the crowd makes it um, all time. Where does that rank for you as far as WrestleMania moments? I mean, other than, uh, top five, I thought you were just saying hi. No, you started to give me a real answer and I'm like, buddy, it's been, we're out of practice, but that's one of your gimmicks. When I say, where does this rank? Well, I had to think about it. Fuck, you're going to land on top five. We all know that. Well, no, because I got to see, you have to take in. I, I was going to give all the things that you have to take into consideration. Let's do that. Like that moment the Brother Love walked out of WrestleMania 17 in the Astrodome in Houston, Texas. So that's on the list. That's all. That may be number one. Oh, my God. What? No, I'm just listening. I'm learning. I'm sitting under your learning tree. I'm trying to learn today. But then there was the. And then that. So. Carry the one. Yeah, definitely top five. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Now we I go. thought you were waving at me. I thought you were going like, hold up. I thought you were giving up. a real answer, and I'm hey. holding up five to the screen like, hey, buddy, come on. Where's your hand, and you were waving it. Okay. 
The next night on Raw. I got video proof of the goddamn thing there. You were waving your hand. You don't want us to record the video so that you don't I know, have video but proof. You were saying hi. I was going, I was going, eh. well, I'm not trying to think, hey, is he leaving me? Uh, it could have been a goodbye wave. You looked like that motherfucker on the fish stick box today. Gordon's <laughs> <laughs> fisherman? Yes. Yeah, with your hoodie and your hat. You look, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm just saying. Is that a bad thing? No, hey, uh, Kanye loves fish sticks. So listen, uh, the next night on Raw, another amazing moment. The crowd is going banana for Hulk Hogan in Montreal. It's a standing ovation for what feels like ten freaking minutes, and then eighteen. In the main event, it's Hulk Hogan and The Rock beating Hall and Nash by count out in the main event. Uh, and a pretty famous story here: before WrestleMania, allegedly. Vince sends Hogan back to Florida from Toronto on the WWF jet to get the old red and yellow gear, man. It's, uh, it's gotta make you feel like home again. Hulk Hogan stomping around in the red and yellow, huh? Yeah. But you know, I like the, I like the yellow and red and the, the tie dye stuff. Okay. That's cool. And I get it. You know, Hulk kind of like that in later years with the tights versus the trunks. But there was also that part of me that I just wanted that old red and yellow, the 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 classic Hulk, if you will. Was, was Vince, not that not that not the, what, what the fuck was he? Uh, Hollywood Hulk. Yeah. And then there then there was like uh, new Hulk, like you know you had your you had your classic Coke, and then you had your new Coke, and then you had like Coke Zero. Right. See, Coke Zero was kind of the NWO Hulk. Got it. And he had red and yellow, classic Hulk. And then he had New Hulk, which was like the, as you said, red and yellow, not yellow and red. So talk to me about the switch, because it does feel as if even though Vince sends Hogan back to get the gear, they wait a couple of weeks before we see him in the gear. Uh, it's April 4th, uh, SmackDown, Rochester, New York. It feels as if he doesn't go to it right away. Does he, does he, does Vince think he just needs to wait to tell that story? Does he want to wait for a special occasion, a special town? What's the hesitation in just pulling the trigger on going back to the classic look? I think we're just looking for more yellow and red instead of red and yellow. And I think that people needed to feel and see the transition happen. Yeah. Versus overnight. Uh, Hogan also starts using Jimi Hendrix's voodoo child theme from this point on. Is that a. A Hogan request. Do you remember anyone lobbying for the use of real American instead? Was there a licensing issue or did Hogan just really dig it? Uh, Hogan really liked Voodoo Child. Okay. I was a big fan of uh, real American yeah. and I was pushing for real American because I just, that, I don't give a fuck who you are. That will get you out of your seat versus I'm just like, Okay, if you're a big Jimi Hendrix fan, I guess that's kind of cool. But to me, Real American was when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Man, you can feel that. Oh, there's no doubt, man. Yeah, he takes a Gaddafi picture and crumbles it all up in the video and shit. And he's wearing the 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 the, the spandex and the uh, tube socks that come up over the spandex in the boots when he's playing his bass guitar and you know it was uh, it's it's classic WWF yeah 
That's me crumbling up picture of Gaddafi. That's what he did. Was it Gaddafi? Or, yeah, it was Gaddafi, right? Well, let's move along. Okay. Hogan, of course, is going to win the undisputed title from Triple H at Backlash in Kansas City a few weeks after this. So I'm just curious, brother, was this always the plan? You know, we're going to have the NWO come back and then eventually we'll put Hogan back in the yellow and red and we'll give him one more nostalgia run. Or is this more out of necessity? Because we just see the evolution of the NWO, how it's going what the circumstances are behind the scenes with the personnel. And we're just trying to make chicken salad. Maybe we would have got there on our own, but this doesn't feel like necessarily it's a part of the master plan. So let's call it January when you know, all right, the NWO is coming back. Did you also think, Hey, after WrestleMania, we're going to put the belt on Hogan. Oh God. no! Yeah. No, I think people, you know, were. I think Vince was feeling, hey, you know, we're going to have a run with this NWO thing. Right. The audience was so, and, and as I've said many times before, there is a difference between a WCW audience and a WWE audience. Those that would only watch WWE, those that would only watch WCW, and just they loved their group and each loved their group respectively. Uh, when Hogan came back to WWE, man, he was their guy. Hall and Nash, Nash and Hall were traders. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if Razor and Diesel came back, that would have been different. But it wasn't. It was Nash and Hall. So as an audience member, I'm like, ah, you know what? Those guys are the guys that left us and went there. Hulk was still Hulk. And Hulk was an original, and, and Hulk was, look, man, I don't give a shit what you do. Hulk will always be Hulk. Right. So to the audience, they were like, my guy's here, man. He's back, and I love him. And I don't care what he does, I love him. Right. Well, so we're going to go with it, but I'm wondering, how well is this received? I mean, as a reminder, in January, and what a moment it is, we see triple H come back to the company, an incredible pop at Madison square garden. He goes on to win the Royal rumble. He makes the big comeback headlines. WrestleMania beats Chris Jericho becomes the undisputed champion. I mean, this is all really cool, really big stuff for his career and very quickly. All right. Now you're going to drop into Hulk Hogan. How, I mean, listen, that's, I could see how that could be disappointing to Hunter, but at the same time. It's got to be pretty cool because he grew up a WWE fan. So it'll be in there with a legend like Hulk Hogan. Is that mixed emotions? Do you think for Hunter at the time where, man, I was hoping it was my time, but shit, it's Hulk Hogan. When I heard it, it was Hunter's idea. Hunter's the one that brought it up first. Wow. And I think that he brought it up from a place of, as you just said, that it's Hulk Hogan and that he is going to get to, to work with Hulk. How great would it be? To lose a championship to Hulk. And probably in the back of his mind thinking how great it would be to win the championship back from Hulk too. Yes. But at the same time, it was, it was that moment. And there was such of a way, there was such a wave of nostalgia and man, you know, here's Hulk Hogan back and, and what ifs, 
Give them those what ifs. Yeah. So it was a fun time, actually. So Hogan versus The Undertaker uh, is announced the next night on Raw for the Judgment Day pay per view in Nashville. This is going to go down in May for the undisputed title. Did you know that? I mean, listen, I've heard over the years that nostalgia is good in small doses and it's good for some, some quick pops, but maybe it's not sustainable long-term. Uh, it feels like it should be used sparingly maybe. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, did you know when we, all right, we're going with Hogan, we're going to put the belt on him. Did you know right away? Not for long. This is just a nostalgia thing. And then we'll get back to business. I don't think anybody was thinking it was going to be for long. Yeah. We were looking to just kind of capitalize on the, that wave for a short time and use it to our advantage, use it to get other people over. Meltzer would say this a few months later, Hogan was getting such huge pops and riding a wave of nostalgia and they confused the pops with business. So triple H only lasted a few weeks as champion. That was a very controversial call and the company was very much divided and McMahon had waffled back and forth until changing his mind the day of the event. Those who were against it, feeling Hogan may get great pops, but him getting the belt would be a disaster because of the age factor proved prophetic as all facets of business collapsed as soon as he got the belt. So Hogan's reign was one month and then they went to the undertaker. Almost nobody was against that one, except Hogan who tried to lobby Vince the day of the show to change his mind and failed. Ultimately, that was even worse because they had an old champion that wasn't going to have good matches, but at least Hogan gave the illusion of being a success to the public because of the crowd pops that he was over. So let's just take a timeout right there. Do you remember there being a big debate? Was anybody really against the idea of putting the belt on Hogan? No. I think that there was an overall kind of feeling. I, I think there was a bit of, um, I don't want to say shock, but the traditional thinking going into it was, okay, hey, this is a great match, blah, blah, blah. We'll have Hunter, you know, keep the title and Hulk will look good and be Hulk and come out of it. But then when the idea was brought up, well, we've dropped it to Hulk. Nobody's calling that. Right. Um, then it, it was, you're right. You know, nobody is calling that. And it was a, a cool kind of fun thing to do for a while. I don't think that anybody saw that as a long-term thing, but, um, yeah, it, it was what it was. Now, listen, a lot of people will hear what you just said and maybe misconstrue it, or maybe, maybe this is what you meant. Sometimes we, we see or hear about in wrestling, what people describe as a swerve for the sake of a swerve, but Eric Bischoff would say maybe not so much a swerve for the sake of a swerve, but wrestling fans really love surprises. So if you can tell a good story that has a surprise, that's a bonus. Whereas sometimes we hear people talk about, well, they didn't go with the predictable thing because they wanted a swerve, but it probably would have been better if they went with the predictable thing. Where do you land on, on that? application of thinking as it applies to Hogan winning the belt. We want, we went with what felt good for that moment. Okay. It wasn't about, Oh, Hey, let's swerve and we're smarter than the audience or anything else. It was, 
I, there was a general feeling that this is nostalgia. You're going to have your match. Nobody expects Hulk to go over. Nobody expects Hulk to be champion in a feel good moment in a feel good moment. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, uh, Meltzer would say in the build up to the takers match, there's this, uh, famous and, and I guess awkward snafu. It, it does feel as if the thing starts to come off the, the, the train comes off the tracks a little bit when this motorcycle snafu Hogan's trying seemingly to start up the undertaker's motorcycle and chase him up the ramp. And then we just cut to a pre-tape of Hogan riding the bike backstage. Eventually Hogan just gets off the bike and runs up the ramp. But this is like a worst case scenario. Is it not? I mean, you make your baby face look foolish and it's not his fault. It's not the company. It's just one of those things, right? Well, this was a day. (laughs) (laughs) This was a day. And I think that the, it's one of those where you can have a vision and in your head, you see things one way in practicality to actually create that vision. You just can't do it in narrow hallways on a bike that, um, I don't know. Uh, here's the deal. So Hulk had, you know, look, we had this vision and, and Hulk wanted to get tied up and, you know, drug around in the back. It'll look nasty, you know, and I'll be bumping into shit, be thrown into shit and, you know, bumping all around and he's hauling ass backstage on the bike and all that stuff. Well, the bike's only going to go so fast with a 280-pound guy on the back of it. Right. Second of all, the bike can only get up to so much speed when you're going through hallways that have turns in them. Third of all, you have a brand new guy that's the stunt guy for underwater stuff at Trouble in Paradise or whatever the hell you know that Paradise show was. And the classic, you know, we're going along and, and you know, Taker's ridden bikes since whenever you know, has a gazillion bikes and is ridden again since long as I've known him. And the stunt guy says, well, now not knowing who Undertaker even is, says, yeah, I don't know. Big man's ever ridden before. Oh yeah. That's less than ideal. So that, that got, that kind of got things off to a real good start where, you know, keeping the, the big redheaded, uh, monster at bay. Going, he doesn't know. He's an idiot. Just, I don't give a shit. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defuse this. So I go over to the stunt guy. Obviously, you ride. You're the stunt. Why don't you show us how it's done? Which he couldn't, for all the reasons that I gave before. It was, you know, short hallways with turns and all this stuff, and you're dragging a 280 pound man. So. <laughs> Then as we're doing it, Michael Hayes and I are standing there and we're watching this and walk up to Vince go, Vince, um, I don't know, man, but it looks kind of fun to me. I want to go next. <laughs> you know, drag me around on that because it, it looks like a ride. 
it, it looks like fun. You know, he's just kind of got his arms crossed and riding around backstage being pulled by a motorcycle. Oh, hey, let's go into a couple of boxes over here. I mean, it looked like fun. Yes. Didn't look dangerous. Not at all. Didn't look like, oh, my God. But in our head, and the way that Hulk had you know, sold this thing, man, it was going to be spectacular. Yeah. Just one. Maybe if we had a week to shoot it from 100 different angles with stuntmen and all this other stuff, might have looked pretty spectacular. But it sucked. Now, that was pre-taped. Right. But to get to that pre-tape, Hulk had to be out in the audience and drive that bike up to get to the back where you can pick it up. So I'm backstage and I'm watching this and the bike stalled because again, don't know who's to blame. I don't know if it was the stunt guy constantly starting over and over and flooding it. Don't know. Have no idea what the hell happened there other than the bike wouldn't start. Right installed when he did get it started, got it halfway up the ramp and it stalled again. Couldn't get it started. So Hulk just gets off of it and runs up the ramp. He has to improvise. He has to improvise. Sure. Problem was I couldn't cut to the next scene. Yes. Till I saw that bike get out of the arena. Yes. Sure. So couldn't get to it live and have people go, well, wait a minute. Yeah. The bike's still sitting out here. Hogan ran off. He can't possibly be on the same bike. Right. The director at the time, and it was not Kerwin Silfies, says, okay, let's let's cut to let's cut to the tape. And I'm like, no, you can't cut to the tape because the bike's still in the arena. Right. We've got to get it back. Stall, fill. I don't give a fuck what we do. That's when we sent Hulk out, basically, to just get the damn bike up the ramp. Through the curtain. And then it miraculously started, and by God, he was <laughs> he was backstage. Yeah. But it was it was terrible. Was Vince but it could have been it seriously, man, it, it could have been a lot worse because the director was ready to go to the tape. Was Vince freaking out when all this is happening? It feels like he would have had a meltdown. No, I mean son really freak out at that shit. He kinda We all get calm. Right. At least I do. I get very calm in, in disasters like that. And chaos. Yeah. So it's like, calm down. No, don't go to tape. Because if you're screaming, not going to work. So it was fun. I, I do wonder, like, what could have been, I mean, was there a resolution to make it scarier back there? On the bike. Maybe. Oh, you can hear that spooky music in the background there a little bit. Michael Myers sure is scary, but the last thing you need to be is Harry this Halloween. Luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy. And join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code STW. Make the right call this spooky season. It's trick or trim.
Have you ever tried to trim your balls and turned it into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're feeling your best in your costume. Unlock your confidence with the performance package 4.0 inside. You'll find the Holy grail of men's grooming items. Check this out. It's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. Let's tackle that problem with the lawnmower 4.0. It's a finely tuned pube product. We're talking cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce those grooming accidents. Thanks to that advanced skin safe technology. Now the lawnmower 4.0 buddy, it's easily the greatest ball hair trimmer on the planet. Did I mention it's also waterproof too? That's right. You can use this in or out of the shower. You ever trimmed your pubes in a hot tub? Why not? It's waterproof. The performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker, a total game changer for your men's hygiene arsenal. What about the old weed whacker? Well, it's a nose and ear hair trimmer. It's still got that same proprietary skin safe technology, but now we're not going to have any nicks or snags or tugs in those delicate holes of yours. What about the old liquid formulations? They're in this package too. We got the crop preserver ball deodorant. That's a little known fact, but Tony Schiavone and during the height of the Monday night wars, he was known to have the stinkiest balls in all of pro wrestling. Not anymore. Thanks to the crop preserver and Eric Bischoff on the other channel. Well, these days, well, he's a little older. And when he goes to pop a squat, his balls hit the water. Not anymore. Thanks to the crop reviver ball toner. Your balls will thank you. How about the new body buffer, Bruce? It's a hundred percent antibacterial body scrubber. It's exactly what you need to be fresh and clean. This is all included inside the performance package 4.0. And they got two free gifts, some boxers from manscaped and the shed travel bag. It's going to bring your comfort and boxers to a whole new level. And if you're looking like Wolverine, maybe you haven't cut your nails recently. Be sure to check out the shears 2.0 nail kit, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code STW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. When you use the code STW at manscaped.com say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with manscaped. How about that? Bruce, did you, uh, you trim your sack meat while you were on vacation? Yeah, I did it before. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You want to be aerodynamic right. when you're flying around. Yeah. You, yeah. Of course, man. You got to make sure that it's nice and neat and tight. So it's pretty crazy to think before judgment day, out of all the episodes in Raw's history, Hogan and Ric Flair only faced off once and it's almost barely promoted. It happens in Toronto. The owner of raw is Ric Flair. He's going to challenge Hulk Hogan for the title. Do you think in hindsight, you leveraging this nostalgia, this could have been a little bigger than what it was, or was this run with Hogan now just kind of snake bit no matter what? Uh, maybe 25 years earlier. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about the match. Uh, the crowd is going banana for Hogan hulking up, but you can tell there's something off at the end. Flair's looking towards the back. They're talking to each other in the ring. Hogan finally shoots Flair off with a big boot and the leg drop. Literally at this point, everyone is looking towards the entrance. And I don't, I don't just mean the crowd. I mean, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, even the referee, Charles Robinson. And who comes out? Well, who else? X-Pac comes sprinting down and breaks up the pin. It's a schmaz until Austin comes out, hits Flair with a stunner, and then Hogan gets the win. This feels like kind of a jumbled mess. Do you remember this? Well, Conrad, I got to tell you, I do not. 
I don't remember that. Like, I was sitting there talking, and I'm going, ain't it Hogan Flair? Why? Um, this is probably why, because it sounds like a jumbled mess. A little bit, maybe. Some things, you know, and you know, I've talked about this. Some things I can just block right the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Or blackout. For about six months. Blocked out. For about six months, you blocked me and this podcast out, but we're glad you're back. That's not true. I know. I'm just busting balls. That's what I do. I will ghost you, motherfucker. Oh, I know. Just in time for Halloweeny. Hey, so at Judgment Day, unfortunately, as JR would say, there's a bowling shoe ugly moment or two in the match, including. Maybe the worst looking choke slam in Undertaker Ooh. history. <laughs> Und- now that I remember. <laughs> I was in the crowd for that and could not believe the unfortunate circumstance because man, I grew up a little Hulkamaniac, but it just didn't look good at all. Well, yeah. I mean, it was like his feet were cemented <laughs> to the mat. It was like, uh, uh-uh. Oh, I ain't get up for this. It ain't happening. Not tonight, brother. And yeah, it was, it was, it was almost kind of like he pushed him down. It was a choke push. Yeah. A choke push. I like that. Well, we did. That was got awful. I, I, that, that I do remember. It was was pretty brutal. And, and remind me after we're off the air to, to talk about one other thing that we were talking about earlier that we can talk about afterwards, but that I can't talk about now. Oh, I, I think I already know. What you want to talk about after it's not something we can ever talk about on the show. Yeah. You know, uh, King of the ring in Columbus goes down June 23rd and Hogan's going to lose cleanly to Kurt angle and the ankle lock. Maybe Hogan's best actual wrestling match here. And Olympic uh, boy. Wait, is that or shooter boy, shooter boy, Olympic boy. So can call him. He was... called him shooter boy. Uh, I think, uh, I think it was Olympic boy. Wow. Um, because you know, Kurt Angle is a machine. Yeah. And at this time in Kurt's, I mean, you go in to work with Kurt and you're fighting for your life. You're going to have a, a match one way or another. Yeah, I don't think Kurt ever hurt anybody, but no. you're in the ring with Kurt Angle. You know, you are in the ring with Kurt Angle. He's, he's, he's operating in fast forward. Yeah. And yeah. that's slow for him. Yeah. So, you know, Hulk being Hulk, you know, Hulk's used to work in the Hulkster's match. Kurt is used to working around everybody else, but at the same time, at Kurt's speed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Olympic boy <laughs> kind of was like, oh, no, no, Hulk, I can get you up. Sure. I, I can get you up for that angle slam. Don't you worry about a thing, buddy. <laughs> you know, whether you want to go or not, you're going. I want to mention because Hogan loses to undertaker. Uh, he's lost to rock. He's going to lose to angle. I mean, so far he's been working a lot of main events, and a lot of hope, high profile matches. And he did win the title briefly, but he loses to triple H on SmackDown loses to rock taker and angle on pay-per-view. There's lots of rumor and innuendo that, well, Hogan was a political animal and he didn't like to lose. And that doesn't work for me, brother. And all this other nonsense. Do you remember him being difficult to work with at all in this era? Cause it seems like he's rather agreeable. Uh, look, I never found Hulk difficult to work with in any era. You knew what you were working with. You knew the parameters that you had. And I don't think Hulk was, was ever an asshole about anything. 
and that's my dealings with him directly. I could always work with Hulk. Um, I never, I never got that. He never, you know, big starred me or, or anything like that. So it was for me, I would hear about those things, but it was a guy that was passionate about his character and passionate about what he did. And I think that could be misconstrued sometimes as, Oh, he's difficult to work with. I, I never, just for me, brother, I, I never had uh, any issues dealing with Hulk in that way. So to me, a lot of that shit's just not founded and it's more based in how people felt um, than actual reality. Do you think when Hulk came back here, he understood that his role was to help elevate the younger talent? Uh, yes. Uh, I just think that Hulk, you know, coming back was, man, let's, let's do something different that we hadn't done here before. When do you think the bloom was off the rose for Vince with Hulk? Did did he get excited based on the pops and think it could be something different more than what it was? Was he still happy with it? Or was Vince maybe regretting this call fairly quickly? I don't think we ever regretted the call, at least, you know, on Hulk's part. I really don't. Um, I think that, you know, there was, there was a time and I think that there was more there with Hulk, you know, especially with the Vince stuff and everything else. There was more there with Hulk. Right. But, you know, he just had to get to it. Do you think perhaps Hulk came in pretty excited and, and optimistic and motivated and Maybe you could see where he wasn't having as much fun as he hoped and some of that enthusiasm started to wane or no? I don't think Hulk's enthusiasm waned at all. Well, that's great. No, not at all. I really, I don't. Um, and that was, you know, from my dealings with him both um, in in business and, and afterwards, you know, just talking to him, shooting the shit. I don't think that his enthusiasm ever waned. I do believe that coming in, I think, Hulk and uh, Nash and Hall all had, hey, this is going to be, you know, the rebirth of the NWO. We're going to be just like we were when we first started. And I don't think anybody saw that actually happening. So on the 4th of July airing of SmackDown, Hulk Hogan and Edge are going to defeat Billy and Chuck to win the tag team titles. This is Hogan's first time as a tag champ. And what a moment it was. It's the 4th of July. Hogan's going back to real American, our favorite little theme song for the night. Uh, and Ed just pointed out what a big moment this was for him as a kid who went to WrestleMania six, wearing a Hulk Hogan t-shirt. I mean, you had to feel it in the building. This was, this was a special moment in wrestling. Was it not? God, it was, it was huge. And, uh, more than anything, I think it was a huge moment for edge. Just feeling it. That was his boyhood dream. And, and edge was a little kid. Uh, in that match and just being able, couldn't believe, first of all, that he was teaming with Hulk, second of all, that they would win the championship. So, yeah, now that's, that's a cool night. You get, a, you get a team with the guy that you grew up idolizing. And, and who was uh, Edge's best friend also at that WrestleMania six? Christian and Christian and Lance Storm are going to beat Hogan and Edge, uh, the Un-Americans, as Christian and Lance Storm were called at the time. On July 21st in Detroit at the pay-per-view vengeance. So it's a short lived tag title run, but mark it down. Hulk Hogan was a tag team champion here. And 
it's a, a really cool little couple week story. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me what exactly is adfreeshows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts, starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts, like click this with Kevin Nash, gentleman villain with William Regal. Oh, you didn't know with Brian James and others, but yes, yeah, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week early with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Want some more cheese on that Whopper? Adfreeshows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Eric Fires Back, Title Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, but there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at adfreeshows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now. Adfreeshows.com. You'd be glad you did. But let's fast forward. In August, after 16 years away, WWE is going to run in Australia with Hulk Hogan on the card. Or at least that was what was supposed to happen because it was heavily advertised. But instead... Hogan's written off TV just before this suffering a brutal loss at the hands of Brock Lesnar from a SmackDown in Richmond and the visual of a bloody and beaten Hulk Hogan passing out in a bear hug to Brock and then Brock wiping Hogan's blood on his chest. Man, what a big moment that is for a young Brock Lesnar. Meltzer had this to say the SmackDown destruction of Hogan by Lesnar was his swan song for now. As of the morning of August 4th, it wasn't finalized whether or not he would do an injury angle for Lesnar. Although he was no doubt losing the match under any circumstance, Hogan asked for time off due to his knee and back problems worsening exactly when he comes back is unclear, but there's been talk of him being brought back in a few weeks or in a few months. Once they had finalized the angle, they asked Hogan to go to Australia to make a live appearance and not wrestle Hogan asked off of the shot because of the pain he'd be on or be in on a 20 hour long flight and wanting to spend his 49th birthday with his family. This feels like maybe Hogan isn't having as much fun. Can't make that advertised date. Need some time off. No, it was more the accumulation of the injuries that he had being away from the business as long as he had been. And coming back and working a lot, you know, think about it. When he came back and worked for us, that was probably more than he had worked in two years at WCW at a time. So he, he was working a lot and the accumulation between his knees and his back. And this was just, you know, the, that first unveiling really of the injuries that he had. And, you know, he tried to cover him up. He tried to deal with him and tried to keep going and just, he was going to break down. He was going to break down in a big and a bad way. So something needed to be done quickly and drastically to try and get him some time off and figure out what the hell's going on. If there's anything they can do. Do you remember the book being, uh, a part of the controversy here, or at least a concern, Cause he's got a book coming out that fall 
and the observer would write that there were problems. He says that, uh, a fellow named Chris Sater from WWE confidential tried to help edit the book to make sure there were no gl- uh, glaring inaccuracies like wrong years or locations for matches. But Meltzer would say that there were still lots of problems with the book. As far as fact checking, he would also say that copies of the book were sent to Jim Ross, Linda and Vince McMahon, but Hulk Hogan himself didn't get a copy and allegedly according to the observer, Linda McMahon complained to the editors that she thought the book was boring. She wanted Hogan to talk more about his drug use, his marriage problems, things like that. And she also complained that Hogan maybe didn't give Vince enough credit for all of his success. And when Hogan hears about this, he calls Vince and says he admitted a lot of the, or omitted a lot of the controversies because he didn't want to write a controversial book. He didn't think places like Walmart or target would carry it. And even pressed Vince saying, Hey, if I'm supposed to air out all the dirty laundry, why haven't you sort of thing? And this feels like this could get uncomfortable. Uh, Meltzer would write the book ends up not dealing at all with Hogan's recreational drug history or talking about issues like marital infidelity. Not sure how steroids are, aren't addressed, but obviously that subject won't be addressed with the satisfaction of anyone with a brain. So listen, I don't know what they wanted or didn't want. I did read the book, but I am curious. Do you remember this being a topic of discussion that maybe the subject of the book wasn't exactly what the company was hoping for? Well, I think that the, you know, anybody writing the book and anybody reading it, that they wanted more, they wanted a little bit more insight to the human being and the issues that, that he dealt with. The, it was a squeaky clean and it was boring. I read it. Yeah. It it was whitewashed. It was as, it was as if, you know, someone took his, his screen character and the stories that he put out and just, you know, put together enough of that material to make a book. Now, I don't know that Hulk was, was really comfortable. Well, no, actually I said, I don't know. I do know. Hulk was comfortable, uh, was not comfortable. God damn. Hulk was uncomfortable addressing some of those things. He didn't want to address his infidelities. He didn't want to address his drug use because of the, the aura of Hulk Hogan of the character Hulk Hogan. But I think that in the book, that's what people were kind of looking for. They wanted to know the other side of Hulk and, and the, the struggle that he went through, in my opinion, I think that it would have made him more relatable and given people an opportunity to feel for him that, Hey man, he's human. Just like all of us. He has real emotions. He has real issues that he's got to overcome. And that would open him up to the audience a lot more in my opinion. So that was, you know, that was the thing that the the book was more like uh, somebody that had never met Hulk Hogan or talked to him or had any idea other than the image that he wanted to portray on screen. So in that regard, yeah, the book was the first the first pass was bland. It's also discussed that Hogan wants to take time off and do a media tour a full-time book promotional tour in the month of November. 
And Vince says, no, we need you on TV and we'll push the book on TV and you can do book signings around the TV schedule. This feels like classic Vince. They both have, or Vince Hogan. They both have their opinions on how we should get there. Fair to say. Yeah. And the thing was, is it's like, well, hang on, Terry, you want to go do book signings. Let's promote those book signings and make them a part of our tour. People are excited about coming to see us live. Hulk Hogan's going to appear tonight. But hey, during the day, you can go buy his book at B. Dalton Booksellers and get your book signed. It's a win-win for everyone. It's also a avenue to sell a lot more books. Right. Because we're going to promote it on television, and we're also going to promote it within the markets that we're running. It just made a lot more sense versus... Hey, go out and just do your own book tour independently. So there's some talk about survivor series and Meltzer would say the original plan was Hogan versus Lesnar for that pay-per-view quote. The original plan for survivor series was Lesnar versus Hogan, but Hogan refused to put Lesnar over a second time. And they had a meeting where the two leading candidates to put Lesnar over ended up being show and Benoit when Vince panics, they go with size. I guess the idea of the visual of Lesnar doing power moves to show may make up for the fact that the two on paper won't be able to do the quality of a match that people expect out of main events. At one point, edge was the backup plan of Hogan wouldn't do the job. Vince at the meeting where they were discussing where to go called Hogan selfish for refusing to put Lesnar over. Um, what happened here? Do you remember this being discussed that, you know, cause at this point, Rock is out of here. We're trying to find the next big thing. We decide it's going to be Brock Lesnar. So Rock puts over Lesnar pretty big at SummerSlam 02. And now we're looking for something for Survivor Series. We know ultimately it winds up being the Elimination Chamber and, and Shawn Michaels wins the title and it's a big spectacle. But man, what could have been here? Hogan and Lesnar for the title on pay per view. But I guess. Hogan wanted the belt and Vince just didn't see it. What do you remember of this? Well, I think more than anything, it was a lot of it, you know, Hulk thinking, well, guy, you know, I come back. He's already beat me once. Right. Destroyed me, put me out. So one would think that, well, the only logical thing to do is to come back and Hulk get his revenge. Right. But you're talking about, the guy that, you know, we're looking to for the future in Brock. And is it realistic for Hulk to come back and beat Brock at that point, especially at that point in his career? Um, and Hulk wasn't, wasn't really in favor of that. He, he didn't, he didn't want to do that. He didn't see that and thought that if he were going to come back and face Brock, that he felt he really needed to go over. I don't think that the championship was as much of a deal as it was, the returning baby face to avenge the guy that put him out. He's got to win. Um, and that's not what we were looking for with Brock. We were looking to build Brock. So that quickly stalled and went to look for another opponent. I, I do have to laugh, you know, in, in looking and listening at Meltzer's words, Vince panics. I, I can't ever remember a time I've ever seen in 35 years, Vince panic. Right. So that, that just speaks to someone that has no clue what's going on, you know, to even use those kind of adjectives. It, it's just, 
descriptor. He panics. Come on, man, please. But, you know, we came up with something and the idea was more not even, you know, what that match is. is how can we do something different now? And the Elimination Chamber being born out of that, I think, was is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That ended up happening. But, yeah, no, Hulk, you know, did want to come back. And Hulk did want to uh, avenge that loss, you know, avenge being put away by the young upstart. You know, by God, that old-timer comes back. That wasn't something you – I don't think – I think the audience would have turned on him if we had done that. I really do. As a reminder – the main event of survivor series does wind up being the elimination chamber. Shawn Michaels wins right before his that pants his Brown poopoo pants. We had the triple threat ugliest trunks in the world, <laughs> ugliest duty Browns of all time. Uh, the Los Guerreros are going to be edge and Mysterio and, uh, Kurt angle and Benoit. So, uh, Eddie and Chavo are now the tag champs, but Brock Lesnar is on fifth. If you count the pre-show. And he's going to drop the title to big show in four minutes and 19 seconds. So Lesnar did wind up doing a job, but not for Hogan, which I think is just fascinating. Like if you're going to beat Lesnar anyway, what would it have mattered? But it did. Well, I, I think it would have mattered because of who it was and big show was not Hulk Hogan. He was younger. He was in it. And, and I, I just think I really and truly believe that people would have thrown up if Hulk could come back and beat lesser. Well, I don't know about that. Let me mention this too. This show happens on November 17th. Two days later is when we're going to release the book. Uh, but by this point, it starts to feel like we're headed for a full deal, a full scale public breakup. Meltzer would even say a total split seems impossible just because of the timing of the book, but. They don't know what they're going to do with Hogan quote, the original plan given to Hogan by Vince, besides doing the job for Lesnar first at survivor series would have also included the long talked about singles match with Vince at Royal rumble in Boston. Hogan's contract expired before WrestleMania. So nothing past rumble was said to have been decided upon by creative Hogan pulled out two weeks ago with Vince telling the story that Hogan refused to come back unless he was given the title. It's no surprise inside the job issue was going to come up with a, uh, Hogan Lesnar rematch because Hogan put him over so strong the first time, as we've written about here before any of this went down, there was also no way the company was going to have Hogan beat Lesnar at this point in time. And it was also the irony of it being similar to one of the reasons for the explosion leading to Austin's exile, just timeout as everybody remembers. They wanted Steve Austin to lose to Brock Lesnar in 02 in an unadvertised match on raw and Austin walked that'll happen the same year here that Hogan has the issue quote, while it's the natural match for Hogan to come back with, everyone would have benefited more by bringing him back on raw, which does need more star power. Admittedly, that would be a stopgap measure and no answer, but a Hogan Vince program at this point would have been more needed on raw than SmackDown. So this is the era of the brand split as a reminder. Big show and Brock Lesnar are hooking it up at survivor series for the undisputed title. And the new big gold belt is what Shawn Michaels is going to win, uh, here in 2002 at the elimination chamber. That seems like an easy pivot, man. If, if, if we can't figure out what to do with him on SmackDown, why not just put him on raw? Cause he was contracted to SmackDown. Oh, Jesus Christ. By God. Listen to you. 
<sighs> man, is this, uh, are you sleeping good in this era? You know, you rocks going, Steve Austin's walked out. Hulk Hogan came back big pops, but now there's problems there too. This feels like something you'd be tossing and turning over. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. You know, I, I would, I would talk to Hulk. Um, you know, Hulk was my guy that I dealt with pretty much on, on a regular basis. He pretty much only dealt with, with Vince and he dealt with me. And then it got to the point where he didn't want to deal with Vince. <laughs> so I was the middleman and I had, I had to deal with both of them, you know, and be the, the one to pitch Vince's ideas to Hulk and Hulk's ideas to Vince. That's a lot of fun. That's, that's just wonderful being in the middle of. I wish back then, I mean, I wish I had a, a time machine for a lot of reasons, but if I had one, I'd stop off in this era and drop you off a chilly sleep. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperatures. Temperature controlled sleep repairs your muscles after a hard day's work and it improves your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Well, sleep me is the new home for chili sleep. We're bringing you the same great sleep that chili sleep offered, but under a new name, sleep me makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. Chili sleep makes the Uller. That's what I've got the cube and the doc pro sleep systems. Either way, we're talking water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. Think of it almost as like a smart thermostat for your bed. These mattress pads, keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. Sleep me systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. And they just launched the brand new doc pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than any of the other models. It's also whisper quiet and has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. Pair it with the new sleep me app for enhanced device control and sleep scheduling. Head over now to sleep.me forward slash wrestle to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new doc pro cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep S L E E P dot me M E slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up refreshed every day. Sleep dot me forward slash wrestle. So this big cooling off period, um, do you remember when and how the talks picked back up? Oh gosh. I want to say, you know, you go back and, and look and you think about you had Austin and McMahon yeah. in the late 90s. And there was really, in many ways, only one other name in the book that McMahon, you know, had to work with that really would have blown things up, and that being Hulk. So we started talking about that and, and Vince was like, nobody wants to see me in Hulk. Nobody wants to see me in Hulk. And I kept throwing back to, yeah, nobody wants to see Vince in the ring. Nobody wants Vince to be a, a heel. Nobody wants to see Vince on TV. And finally at least got him, him being Vince interested in it. I also knew that Hulk was, you know, 
if you were to say in 02 when they first came back, Hulk, we're bringing you back to work with Vince. I think that Hulk would have come back just for that one match. Yeah. Because that was the one in Hulk's mind that Hulk really, really wanted. So the feeling was if we could get, I knew for me, I knew that I could get Hulk excited about that. And that, cause that was the one match Hulk wanted. The trick was to get Vince excited about it. So we, we all worked and I think everybody agreed that Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon was a natural and, and that was a, a WrestleMania worthy match. So with Hulk gone and, and looking at different ways, I don't, you know, I, I think that both guys would regret every single time that they would have a blow up and, and walk away from each other. Every time, you know, they would both kind of feel bad. Like, God damn, I wish it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So there were those feelings of, yeah, you know, if this guy, if, if only, if only Vince would have, you know, just conceded on that one thing, I'd still be there. And then Vince would say, God damn it. If Hulk didn't want so damn headstrong about having to beat Lesnar, he'd still be here. It was all the little things that they would look to sometimes to, to blow things up. It sounds like ego, Bruce. Uh, huge. Yeah. Huge ego clashes. Yeah. Big time. You know, who made who? Right. So I think there was always that underlying current with them. Um, but feeling out, Hey man, what if, what if we could get to that Vincent Hulk match WrestleMania? Do you think Hogan wanted the credit or the money more money? Yeah. Mm. Both, but money. So you think he saw the position Vince was in financially and thought it should have been me. Partially, yes. Yeah. Or that, or not only that it should have been me, but I should have had more. Right. Just in general. Right. So listen, we've heard through the years that whenever things would get sideways with Austin, a lot of times Jr. might be the guy to just start the conversation, reach out, and we start easing back into it. Who was Hogan's guy like that? Or did it always have to be Vince? Vince would be the guy to call. Um. That would be me. Really? Yeah. What's that like? Um, again, I, I've never, I never had a, I don't think I ever had a crossword with Hulk. Right. Um, I, I understood him for, for what he wanted to be and how he saw himself. And I respected that. And I listened, you know, I, I would listen to him and, and I would try to make his ideas and, and edit them in a way that, that they could be sold, if you will, and yeah. vice versa with Vince, you know, and, and, and edit his ideas to sell to, to Hulk. Um, not always successful, but I do, I, I did have a good relationship with, with Hulk in that I could talk to him and, I would usually, you know, feel him out and say, Hey, Terry, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes, you know, I, I would, I would call for the Hulkster. 
Sometimes I would call for Terry. And it would uh, it would kind of depend just where my head was at is who I needed to speak to in that moment. And yeah, they're, they're two different people. Talk to me a little bit about the Hogan Vince idea. Is that originally your idea? Oh, I think, you know, I think it was everyone's idea. I know, I know Hulk, you know, really wanted to do that. Uh, I know the team really wanted to do it. That was just, man, that's, that's one of those, that's just laying on the floor waiting for somebody to pick it up. Did Vince just think, you know, been there, done that with Austin? Yes. Yeah. 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 Vince didn't think it would be the same with Hogan. To me, I, I thought that it would be even more with Hogan. Just because it was just so much material to work with on the, you know, history. Yeah. Yeah. Who made who? Well, listen, it was good creative. Uh, and, and Hogan winds up coming back pretty quickly after the Royal rumble. He's, uh, back on the SmackDown in Albany. He gets a standing ovation and, uh, he's going to lay out Vince and that sort of sets up the match at WrestleMania 19. Do you think that was ever part of the long-term plans? Like when Hogan first came back in Oh two, did you have in your mind's eye, like, man, it sure would be cool if we could do blank. Did you think Hogan Vince was possible when he came back in O two? Yeah, I did because it was, it was Vince bringing them back. Yeah. So it, it was Vince shooting the poison in the arm. Um, that it was just logical. The Vince's biggest foe in the book was Hogan. Hogan's b- biggest adversary was Vince real life. Make believe every, every angle that you want to go. It was Hulk versus Vince. Right. And I don't think that that was any one person that, that was everybody, um, that saw it and felt it and wanted to see it. Well, we do have Hogan rock too, and no way out happens on Montreal, February 23rd rock is just returning. It's now firmly established that he's a heel. So no concerns about who's being booed or, 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 or cheered here. We'll get a screwy finish as Sylvain is our special guest heel referee. He's going to give rock a chair. And, uh, of course, Vince is causing the distraction. And then Vince takes off his shirt to reveal a Hulkamania sucks t-shirt underneath. He tears that off, throws it in a bloody Hogan's face to end the pay-per-view. There's no way to possibly live up to that WrestleMania 18 Hogan rock match. Is it? I mean, that's just. You can't recreate that, right? No, no, you, you definitely couldn't. And the idea was to try and God, you're in Montreal. So do the only thing that Montreal seems to understand, you know, and screw the baby face. I was, I was not crazy about this finish at all. They thought it was screwy. Nobody cared about Sylvain Grandier, the yeah. referee. And, and it was just, it was out of nowhere. It was a natural with Vincent Hogan. Yeah, but it was. at least it got it got the you know got us kicked off, got us going. Of course, we get set up here for WrestleMania 19 in Seattle. They're going to bill it as 20 years in the making for Hogan versus McMahon in a street fight. Hogan's putting his career on the line, and in the end, it's a fun match and a fun story. We also get the return of Roddy Piper to the company. We've talked about this in the archives, uh, but after Mania. Vince is going to force Hogan to sit out for the rest of his contract in storyline. And then we see for a few weeks, these really fun Mr. America is coming vignettes on SmackDown. 
where does this come from? Whose idea is this? This is fun. <laughs> well, Alk and I both fans of Dusty Rhodes yep. and Eddie Graham. Um, but Dusty had done the Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider, baby. Midnight Rider's coming to avenge that what they did to Dusty Rhodes. I'm a good friend of the Dream. Got a lot of things in common, if you will. But I will avenge his loss. And everybody knew it was Dusty as Midnight Rider. You know, Bill Watts did it. Really shitty D version of it in Mid-South. Um, sidebar on that, Bill Watts is going to do the Midnight Rider thing. And he shows up in Houston and puts a mask on and is standing in the concessionary with a cattle prod. A big, Bill's a big boy. Yeah. And people come and get the cops and say, hey, there's a big guy with a mask on and he's got a cattle prod by the concession stands. Well, Bill didn't smarten anybody up to it. Oh, man. So Bill's going to hit the ring and start hitting everybody with a cattle prod. And so about six cops go to descend on him. Oh, my. And they're ready to take his ass out. Yes. And finally, you know, I'm Bill Watts. Blah, 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 and fucked it all up and he was late for his run in. And they got pissed at me because uh, the cops didn't know who he was. I said, well, Bill, would have helped if you had told me what the fuck you were going to do. Well, yeah. I would have had cops there with you. Yes. You know, to make sure that you got through everything. Um, but anyway, uh, silly. But anyway, it was the Midnight Rider gimmick, man. And, and, and Hulk and I talked about it. And, you know, they'd done the Dirty Yellow Dog and uh, fuck the Jimmy Valiant do in the Carolinas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, there's just so many different versions of us. We came up with Mr. America and we wanted to do the entire, you know, the entire thing, man, where, you know, obviously, you know, it's Hulk. Yeah. We, we did the eating masks. So you got the Fu Manchu coming out and Vince just didn't get it. He thought it was ridiculous. Nobody's going to buy that. That's not Hulk. I said, that's the point, but you can't prove yes. that it's not Hulk. Yes. Cause he's wearing a mask. You can say it sounds like Hulk, looks like Hulk, feels like Hulk, but you don't know it's Hulk because you can't see his bald head. It does feel, now that we're comparing it to old days, Hogan's version of this doesn't feel as Midnight Rider as it does Jimmy Valiant's Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown feels a little more Mr. America to me. Oh, bullshit. This this was better. Um, oh, I'm not arguing it's not better. <laughs> it's definitely better, but I'm just saying where his beard is out, like you can oh, tell... Yeah. You know, sort of like with the mustache, you can tell, like, that's fun. Well, Dusty had his blonde hair poking out in the back and shit. So, you know, but, but Vince was going to let us go through with this thing. And, and the idea was to get to the Mr. America versus Vince match where Mr. America, if he loses, he's got to unmask. And if it's Hulk Hogan, then he's banned forever. In WWE, if Vince loses, he's going to shave his head bald. I love it. And we wanted to do it on the, I want to do the great American bash in July and do it. So let's, let's stop there because Mr. America debuts on SmackDown on May 1st in Manchester, uh, New Hampshire, not in the UK. He's a guest on Piper's pit, uh, apparently signed by Stephanie quote unquote sight unseen. And signed to what's called an ironclad contract, meaning 
Vince can't fire Mr. America. So here comes Mr. America. His theme song is a rather familiar one. It's the real American theme song. Well, of course he's got this blue mask and blue tights and, uh, super fun stuff. We wind up with Mr. America versus Roddy Piper at judgment day in may. Thankfully it's a short one, four minutes and 58 seconds. But finally Hogan gets to say he pinned Piper in the WWE. It eventually happened. Um, you know, kind of a cartoon match, but kind of fun. Kind of. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> you got Sean O'Hare who's been paired with Piper. We love Sean O'Hare here on the program where I do, uh, Hogan's going to Hulk up. Vince McMahon comes out. He gives Sean O'Hare a pipe because this is clue. And O'Hare goes to hit Hogan instead hits Piper. Hogan does the leg drop Zach Gowan. Yes. Our favorite one, one legged wrestler whom, uh, Hogan brought out at the start of the match, then tackles Vince as he tries to interfere in the pin. It gets a dud rating, but listen, if you're an old school Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper fan, this is chicken soup. Is it not? Yeah. It's not the best chicken soup we ever had, but we're excited to see the but old it was, Yeah, but it was, you know, it wasn't. See, here's the thing. Hulk didn't pin Piper. No, Mr. America did. Right. Thank you for taking up for Roddy there. Good call. So, hey, there was a lot of negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use whatever the fuck I can, man. And, you know. I was the old timer in the group and then it was my show. And, and it was, uh, I had the relationship with Hulk and Piper. So those are my look, everybody else had four or five guys on their list of people that they would deal with on a daily or weekly basis. I had Hulk and Roddy. That's, that's enough. That's full time. Yeah. That's full. Oh my God. That's triple time. Yeah. I love that. You pointed out. No, no. Hulk Hogan didn't beat Roddy Piper. Mr. America did. Yeah. Uh, over the next few weeks on SmackDown, Vince is doing all he can to prove that Mr. America is in fact, Hulk Hogan <laughs> and my favorite, and maybe the most memorable and hilarious segment is where he has Mr. America do a lie detector in the ring. And, uh, Mr. America passes this lie detector test with flying colors. Vince trying to prove that he can pass the test too, pops a squat in the chair and Mr. America asks him, are you the biggest asshole on God's green earth? Vince says no. And we get the buzzer. He's lying. Are you a sick, perverted, power, hungry freak? We get the same response. Vince says no. And he's freaking out because the sound is worse and worse for each question. We should mention at the end of the SmackDown tapings each week, Mr. America would lift up his mask to show the crowd. He was indeed Hogan. And they would motion the fans to go shh about it. This is really classic old school, 1980 shit that you're having fun with in 2003. Who's having more fun with this Hogan or you? I think both of us equally because it was, you know, it was living it out. Uh, it was, it's a fun audience participation. You know, they knew they were in on the joke, right? And, uh, the more, you know, I was giving Mr. McMahon his comeuppance. Unfortunately, it's short lived. Uh, Mr. America's final TV appearance is June 26th. The SmackDown from MSG. Uh, he's Mr. America here. Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle have lost to the big show and, uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. And the week after Vince then shows the off air footage of Hogan showing his face. 
And he's able to use this as the storyline reason for firing Mr. America and Hulk Hogan from WWE. But in reality, Hulk Hogan had quit. And you told us a little bit about this before that maybe the hope was we're going to get to the July pay-per-view bash at the, or great American bash. And we're going to have, uh, maybe a head shaving. This is what's written about in the observer. The only person that knows how to write for Hulk Hogan now is Bruce Pritchard and he doesn't get to do it anymore. What do you think? What do you remember about this? Oh my God. It was, uh, <laughs> I was home in Houston and missed a call. So I had a message left by Vince. And that was the, that was the quote from Vince that apparently the only person knows how to write for Hulk Hogan is Bruce Pritchard. Those are Hulk Hogan's words. Right. I'm like, Oh shit. Why the fuck would he say that? Because <laughs> you're immediately worried that's heat with. Oh Vince. God. Yeah. Oh my God. Is that heat? Yeah. Um, so I call Hulk and I said, Hey Terry, what's going on, man? And he says, yeah, he goes, Vince and I had it out. He goes, I quit. Oh, it, oh, the other part of that was Hulk Hogan quit and I fired Roddy Piper. So it was a good day. That's my all the same day. This, yeah. Oh yeah. My entire call list went away at that point. That was great. That part was great. Um, <laughs> not really. And so. I call Hulk and he says, good yeah, brother. He goes, I just told him. And he says, the only person who's had a right for me is Bruce Pritchard. Mm. And, um, you, you don't understand what we're doing. So I was like, God damn, Terry, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Right. He says, well, it's true. Said, okay. True or not. Please don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could have gone without saying it. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, that's how I feel. It's okay. Great. Thank you for that. So then finally I get Vince on the phone. Vince was just like, he's gone. Roddy's gone. Uh, your show's been, this was like on a Wednesday. He goes, your show's been blown up. Uh, we'll get together tomorrow. And it, the conversation was pretty much that short. Wow. And there was no more discussed beyond that other than, okay, we got to, we got to adjust. And I don't even, I really don't even remember what the hell we did. Cause it was, it was pretty devastating because I had the, you know, the great American bash that we wanted to do. I wanted to do with Hulk and Mintz. Yeah. You had plans. Same thing with Piper to get O'Hare ready and stuff. Mm-hmm. And plus they were, they were my friends. So <laughs> it was two less guys to hang out with after the show. Um, but business is business. So you move on. Meltzer would say this Hulk Hogan officially made public that he was parting ways with WWE. Once again, on the June 30th interview that morning on the Bubba, the love sponge radio show split doesn't appear to be an angle, but nothing can be ruled out. Absolutely. Giving Hogan's track record in WCW. Hogan quit after the SmackDown tapings on June 24th at MSG Hogan, from all accounts, tore down the house live and basically on his own did the Hogan posing routine after the TV taping ended for several minutes. And he was unhappy about how creative was handling the Mr. America character. 
He had come off losing to Vince McMahon in the arm wrestling match that didn't seem to serve a purpose. And then losing to big shows, choke slam in the six man tag, which was to set up show versus Zach Gowan and Stephanie McMahon. There had been talk that the booking for Mr. America had been for him to beat Vince McMahon in a hair versus mask match at the Vincent's pay-per-view in Denver. John um, wanted to be great, be renamed great American bash, but anyway, although that had not been confirmed by anyone who would know other than Vince had talked about it. Hogan, who turns 50 next month, had been working without a signed contract. He had an agreement with McMahon that this program would go as long as they were both happy. Hogan did sign an intellectual property release to allow them to use his likeness and sell merchandise. It had been known that Hogan was frustrated over things being scripted too tightly, as many of the veterans have been, and removing a lot of the impromptu nature of working of matches and interviews. One specific point, although this was clearly not the deal breaker, which has already been reported was at the beginning of the six man at MSG. When the fans were chanting his name, normal wrestling for baby faces would be to tease the audience and then tag in the guy they're chanting for. But here, the entire match was laid out and the layout didn't call for him to tag in at that time. Let's time out right there. I could see how this could be a styles clash, if you will, because this is the way we've done things his entire career. And now in this new era, well, we're not doing it that way. Was that tough for him to adjust to that? We weren't really listening to the crowd. We, we were a little more inflexible. We had to quote unquote. No, stick to the script. I, I disagree with that. I, I do. There was, you're dealing with a lot of green talent at this time and a lot of talent that didn't know how to do impromptu things. Right. So, you know, that was more the reason than anything for him. I think people, you know, did trust his instincts and he could go out and do, he had the latitude to do, things that others didn't. But when you're working with talent that didn't know any better, no, that's a, that's a dangerous thing. You need to be able to script them and keep them within the confines. Well, and he's wearing new gear here. And uh, if you're looking for some new gear, can I, can I recommend Roan? Listen, Bruce has you to can work- because Roan is awesome dog. I was going to ask you even for, yeah, even for big fellers like us, it, uh, that's about all I wore. Rome was on, uh, in the Bahamas. I know that, uh, you have to wear dress shirts every day. And I know sometimes that's a hassle to change clothes for different activities, but you're able to wear these shirts, whether you're in the office or in the Bahamas, right, Bruce? Absolutely. And you're going to feel good doing it because it's lightweight, it's stretch, but it fits and looks pretty damn nice. I got to tell you, if I do say so myself. Well, I think the, uh, the dress shirt was long overdue for some sort of radical reinvention. I'm glad Rowan has stepped up to the challenge. Rowan's commuter shirt, Bruce tells me is the most comfortable, breathable and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why mobility is everything. Rowan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way while you commute to work or when you're playing 18 holes of golf. That's right. Same shirt, daddy. And looking good is easy. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle-free release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. How about that? It's better as you wear it? Come on. And how about this? They've got odor-free technology. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable. So no more dry cleaner, daddy. It's comfortable. It allows you to be versatile. You could wear it on dates, wear it out with friends, wear it on the golf course, wear it to the office. You even wore it to the Bahamas, dog. 
all day and all night. Or out in the uh, casinos and won me some money. So in addition to looking good and feeling good, it was a lucky shirt I like and it. lucky pants. The commuter shirt can get you through any work day and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash wrestle. Use our promo code wrestle and you'll save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order. When you head to R H O N E.com forward slash wrestle and use the promo code wrestle. It's time to find your corner offer corner office comfort. How about that? Seriously. What are you waiting for? Upgrade your closet with Roan. Use wrestle save 20% at Roan.com forward slash wrestle. That's R H O N E.com forward slash wrestle. So, Hey, listen, man, let's talk about, uh, the money here. Uh, that's, that's what we always talk about, right? The, uh, the money in the miles. This is written in the observer. In addition with business being weak, well, the money was down and he clearly wasn't making what he made for his comeback last year, let alone the kind of money he was used to making in the glory days of WCW. While with WCW Hogan would earn anywhere from 600,000 to an excess of 1.5 million per pay-per-view show. And it was said he was frustrated. The company didn't do more with their Mr. America character, especially the last two weeks. When the focus seemingly shift from Hogan to Zach Gowan and Stephanie McMahon as Vince McMahon's main adversaries, but he was the focal point of nearly every SmackDown episode. His views on the sometimes raunchy nature of the storylines have also been well known, but again, many share them, but it's not really the deal breaker. It all comes down to the doll hairs, daddy. Hogan was upset last year over his payoff since he was used to such a ridiculous percentage from his WCW days. And that's a show where in the main event slot, he got 850,000 buys. And this show was built around his match. The main event was likely split six ways. And the show only did 550,000 buys based on the latest figures. So it does feel as if the timing of his departure. And again, I'm just guessing, would this have been him being upset about his WrestleMania payoff? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So I, I, you know, in my opinion, every, every time that Hulk has left, it's been a dispute over money Yeah, and then everything else comes into play. So everything else can become the dispute, but, uh, um, it just kind of happens that way. Well, we know ultimately later in 2003, Hogan's going to appear for new Japan and he's going to defeat Masahiro Chono in the Tokyo dome. TNA is going to tape an angle there with Jeff Jarrett attacking him with a guitar and blooding him up. It feels as if that's going to be their goal to try to set up a three hour pay-per-view for TNA. We know Hogan doesn't wind up going to TNA. He uses his knee and, and hip problems as the reason to not do it. But when Vince sees, you know, one of his original building blocks, one of his old running partners, one of the foundations of the WWF. Go wrestle in Japan, go shoot this angle with TNA. Does Vince feel a certain type of way about that? Do you think? I really believe that Vince just kind of thought, okay, he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. You know, it's not like that was diminishing the Hulk Hogan brand more so than it was hurting WWE. Yeah. 
is it just two? Is the story of Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon here in 02 and 03, especially in 03, just too headstrong? I think it, I think it was high expectations on both ends that never really materialized in a business that was changing and trying to create new stars. And, um, it just was, it just was really a difference of, um, a difference of opinion and a difference of, of what everybody saw. We know ultimately he's going to come back in 05 and that's when he does the Shawn Michaels SummerSlam and goes into the hall of fame and, and all that. But in hindsight, do you wish we wouldn't have had this little sabbatical? We could have played this Mr. America thing out and given Hogan the proper run one last time. Oh God, I would have loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Would have loved it. And you know, in addition to that, uh, I was stuck going on house shows to replace Piper, uh, and have to work with Zach Gallon every night with Vince, the special guest referee had an absolute blast doing it, but Holy cow, it was, uh, it was brutal, but fun. Carl Hayes wants to know, uh, Hulk Hogan's, um, match with the rock at WrestleMania. You mentioned before that you wanted to be in the crowd to feel it. Where were you in the crowd that night? Uh, standing on the floor, right opposite hard cameras. Uh, here's one from, um, WWE master 2018. If Vince was not the opponent of Hogan at WrestleMania 19, who would Hogan have wrestled at 19? So like, if you couldn't get Vince to go along with it, what do you think that would have looked like? Man, I don't know that there was an opponent, uh, maybe working on trying to get Austin back at that time. I, I don't. I don't know that there really was because catalyst bring Hulk back was the Vince match. Well, 19 wound up being rock and uh, Austin three. And that was Austin's last one. But, you, but you're saying if Vince was, I'm a, saying that if, you know, when you look at it on paper, who would that have been? Yeah. Who would it have been new? And it, look, you know, Austin would have been the logical guy, man. What could have been. Uh, GJ refill wants to know is Hulk and O2 the greatest example of the audience truly being the ones in charge of who's a heel and who's a baby face. I think the audience is always in control of that. That's a great example of it though. Is it not? But it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trav wants to know, we never hear about Vince's reaction during Hogan versus rock. Was he upset with the crowd reactions initially, or does he just want reactions? I think that Vince was intrigued by it more than anything. and was really happy that they were as vocal as they were because they were into that match. Sterling Pingree wants to know when Hogan put on the hood, he was Mr. America. When dusty put on the hood, he was midnight rider. When JYD did it, he was stagger Lee. If brother Lou, brother love had to wear a mask, who would he become? Fernum Schnavitz. No. Oh, you got an idea? Father Amor. I'm sorry? Padre Amor. Oh, gosh. Your Lucha version, I see. See? Well, that's because they wear the mask. I get it. I get it. And I speak Espanol. Hola, Juan. Hola, Tomas. Quien es la muchacha? Esta María. Esta bonita, eh? Sí, esta muy bonita. Let's talk about WrestleMania's question here. Knowing a landmark event like WrestleMania 20 was coming the following year, what do you think Hogan would have done? 
Like, I really wish he would have been there because he was such a big part of those early WrestleManias, you know, all the way up to WrestleMania nine. And he's not there for 10. He's not there for 20. He is back for 30, but he's not wrestling. I mean, that's long gone by that point. But if he was sticking around for WrestleMania 20, that could have been pretty cool. I mean, we see him the next year, so he was still able to work, but man, what a story you could have told, huh? Hogan, WrestleMania 20, MSG. Maybe you could have had Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff too. Hogan and Mr. T versus Lesnar and Goldberg. (laughs) Uh, Loser leave. Yeah. I mean, it's just a shame that that he's not there for WrestleMania 20, but we're going to be back next week. Talking about cyber Sunday, 2007, Shawn Michaels is going to return with John Cena on the shelf. He's scheduled to take on Randy Orton. Uh, he was looking for some revenge after getting punted. We'll also talk about, uh, you know, Jeff Hardy or Mr. Kennedy. I guess we all knew it was going to be Shawn Michaels. Batista will defend his world title against the uh, undertaker with either JBL, Steve Austin, or Mick Foley as the special guest referee. We got Rey Mysterio versus fit Finley. Matt Hardy's injury is going to lead to MVP defending the U S title against either Kane, great Kali or Mark Henry. And check this out. CM Punk is going to defend the title, the ECW title against the Miz. Triple H is going to take on Umaga. Hornswoggle gets overexposed. Candace Michelle breaks her collarbone. Lots of fun stuff to talk about in 2007 next week. And I had fun today, man. This felt like an old school episode of something to wrestle. I appreciate you making the time and we got to have you take vacations more often. We didn't get interrupted 19 times. I don't know what to think. I know. Right. It's wild. Except you angered me before we like started hitting me before we hit the little red button. We're, we're going to have a conversation about AT and T. They got to get their shit together. Cause it's not that you didn't know how to use your iPhone 13 and don't know how to use your iPhone 14. It's AT and T's dirty asphalt. Yes. I'm with you. You just don't believe me. Cause you lie. Well, believe me, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. We just recently sat down with Bill after to talk about some stories we've never heard about Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. We spotlighted the WCW world title that Ron Simmons made famous on Reggie Park's anniversary of his passing with Reggie's protege, Dave Milliken. Eric Bischoff sits down to talk to Raven for the first time since WCW. It's a long time coming. The Jarrett's had a little conversation with us about Tripla. That's right. Jeff and Karen. How about Tony Schiavone sitting down and do a live Q and a, or Jake Roberts breaking down Halloween havoc 92 and answering your questions. It's all happening at adfreeshows.com, including some brand new concepts like making the town in the book. We're going to uh, highlight some famous arenas over the years and even look at some old booking sheets with the guys who made the notes in these territories way back when you get all this stuff starting at just nine bucks over at adfreeshows.com. Throw us a like, hit the subscribe button here on the program. Leave us a five-star review. If you think we've earned it, follow him on Twitter, but you'll never see a tweet at Bruce Pritchard. Follow me. I'm pretty active at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad or ask a question about the show at Pritchard show. And if you enjoy what we're doing here on the show, want to introduce a wrestling fan in your life to it. Maybe the easiest way to do that is to direct them to our YouTube, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications. And you'll get lots of little bite-sized samples over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. But next week, Bruce, right here, Cyber Sunday, 2007 on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. 
together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.